And welcome to the 88th episode of Kidmin Talk. This is Carl Bastian, a.k.a. The Kidologist, coming to you from Kidology.org. Today's podcast is sponsored by Kidology Coaching. Not a webinar, not a party line call, not a classroom filled with hundreds listening to a lecture, but one-on-one personal coaching customized to your ministry needs. Just you, your coach, and your ministry. There's nothing else like it. So if you'd like to see your ministry and your own professional development soar to a whole new level, you've got to check out Kidology Coaching. In fact, just this week, one of our coaching students got a raise, in large part because of their improved ministry expertise and their coach guiding them through how to get more compensation for their hard work. So just go to kidology.org slash coaching to learn more. Today's podcast is part one of a three-part series as I bring to you my keynote addresses from the awesome Kidman Conference in Winnipeg, Canada. Today's title is Awesome God, and it's all about how to become a Jedi-like leader as you rest in the comfort of knowing that God's got your back and your problems are no problem to Him. I hope you enjoyed this presentation and join me for the next two in upcoming podcasts where we always talk well, it's exciting to be here. I'm back in Canada. Woo! I love it here. I've gotten to come a couple of times, and every time it's, it's, always, it's always a joy, and I'm glad to be back. Well, our topic for tonight that I was asked to talk to you about, I thought, boy, this is going to be a tough one, about our awesome God. Is that a tough topic? No, we have the most amazing God. So our theme tonight is awesome God. Tomorrow we're going to talk about the awesome opportunity that we have as children's workers. And then we're going to talk about the awesome community that we get to be a part of and how important it is for us to work together and to team up together. But tonight we're going to talk about awesome God. The word awesome is pretty awesome. Don't you think? Um, it's kind of ironic because I overuse the word awesome. Um, I'm blessed to have some gals in my life that edit stuff for me. And um, and they tell me they have to remove about half of my awesomes and, and half of my exclamation marks. Because it's like my default adjective. I just always talk about how things are, are totally awesome, right? And uh, I'll use it twice in a sentence. Like, you know, you probably shouldn't use the word awesome again. Say fantastic or wonderful. And I'm like, yeah, but those words don't capture it. I love the word Awesome. So putting awesome in front of God is really easy for me. But just for fun, I thought, hey, I'm going to look up in the dictionary. If we have an awesome God, what exactly does that word awesome mean? And it was pretty cool. Listen to some of these descriptions, all right? Extremely impressive. Does that fit our God? Daunting. Inspiring great admiration. Hopefully God does that for you. But it even said apprehension or fear. Something so incredible, we're almost intimidated by it. That's why Proverbs says over and over, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Some synonyms are breathtaking, awe-inspiring, magnificent, wonderful, amazing, stunning, staggering, imposing, stirring, impressive, formidable, fearsome, dreaded, mind-boggling. Mind-blowing, jaw-dropping, excellent, marvelous, wondrous. Aren't those really cool words to describe our God? 
Well, you know what? Um, the word awesome probably didn't exist in biblical times, but the effort to describe God as awesome is very clear. In fact, one of my favorite Bible verses in First Chronicles 29, 11, um, David is just running on with descriptions of God. The word awesome didn't exist, or he could have just said, Lord, you're awesome. But instead he had to say, Lord, yours is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom and you are exalted as head over all. Is that not a description of an awesome God? We serve an amazing, amazing God. And yet, there's an irony to life. We all believe, no one's argued with me, I don't think anyone's disagreed with me, that we have a God that fits all these descriptions. And yet, while we all believe this, isn't it ironic that we get stressed out and worried and nervous and bent out of shape about the problems that we have in life? But whether it's in our ministry or our personal life, we have this awesome God, and yet we kind of stress over things. I have a hat that I like to wear. It says, too blessed to be stressed. And I don't wear it very often because I'm afraid some stressed out person is going to punch me in the nose. (laughs) Because you can't be stress-free because I'm completely flipping out. Um, And, of course, I do feel stressed, but I love that hat because it says I really am too blessed to be stressed. If I, When I get my eyes off my blessings, that's when I start stressing. I mean, we just had the World Series. Do you guys watch that up here? All right, it was pretty incredible. I don't watch a lot of baseball. I should. My brother's an MLB baseball reporter, and he actually covers the Indians. He was the Blue Jays reporter for many years and lived in Toronto. Uh, But he got transferred down to the States, and he's been covering the Indians. And even he couldn't believe that his team made it to the World Series. He said he didn't know how they pulled it off, but he was excited to be there. The problem was my brother and our family are also Cubs fans. So we were kind of conflicted with being Cubs and Indians because – Both teams had a great story. The Indians hadn't won since 1948, and the Cubs, of course, since 1908. So we figured either whoever wins will celebrate the Cubs or will celebrate that my brother's team won. But if you watched it, it was one of the most stressful games. The Cubs got out ahead, then the Indians caught up. They finally tied it with this cool home run, and then it starts raining, and they have to postpone the game, and tensions were so high. Well, as a Bronco fan, I experienced that a lot, too. We're Super Bowl champs. All right, and uh, having Peyton Manning as a great quarterback was really exciting. Stressful games. We're like this comeback team. We're always losing, and we always come back at the end. But of course, you don't know what that's going to happen. Well, one time during the playoffs, I had a, a speaking event, and I had to miss the, the 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 big playoff game that would determine if we went to the to the Super Bowl against the Patriots, our big rivals. Right? Uh, if you're in Denver, you hate the Patriots, and the Patriots out east, they they hate the Broncos. And so it was an exciting game. So I didn't want to know how the game went, and so I'm turning off my radio. And you know, don't tell me who won the playoff game because I, I want to watch the game. I want to experience the game. So I put my radio on like some opera station, you know, because I didn't want any news. And just as I'm pulling in the driveway to get home, the guy says, well, see you after the Super Bowl. Or I'm like, no, he gave it away. But I thought, okay, I still want to watch the game. And it was an incredible game. It, it had setbacks. But the whole time, I knew my team won. So I was just sitting there enjoying the game, but I never was stressed the whole time. Why? Because I knew the outcome, right? 
The reason this World Series game was so exciting is we really didn't know who was going to win. Now, if you'd recorded it and just watched it later, you could enjoy it, but the tension wouldn't be there. The tension comes from not knowing. But the reality is we are God's people, and God knows the ending. He's promised us. We all probably love this verse and teach our kids, Jeremiah 29, 11, right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And we know Romans 8, 28, right? For we know that he will work all things, not some, all things together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Do you love God? Are you called according to his purpose? So what's there to worry about? But we do, don't we? You know, I'm, I'm a bit of a Star Wars fan. Now, I'm not a Star Wars nerd. I'm just a Star Wars fan, right? And um, the just fact that I have a Star Wars museum in my basement does not make me a Star Wars nerd. The fact that I've met George Lucas and gone to a Star Wars convention does not make me a Star Wars nerd. The fact that I go to the, every Star Wars movie in full costume does not make me a Star Wars nerd. <laughs> Nor the fact that my son's name is Luke. And I say to him every day, Luke, I am your father. Join me and together we will overthrow mother and bring order to this household. Or at bedtime, I like to say, Luke, it is your bedtime. It is useless to resist, my son. It is your destiny. But I love Star Wars. I'm not a Star uh, science fiction fan. I'm just a Star Wars fan. So sometimes people get confused and they say something about Star Trek. And I go, I don't like Star Trek. And if they're not a nerd like me, they say, well, what's the difference? And I'm like, excuse me? Star Trek is make-believe, you know. <laughs> but one of the things I like about Star Wars is the Jedi. Because they have this calm. Like, they don't worry about anything. You know, they're like in this little dinky little boat under the ocean, and giant creatures are eating things around them, and they're just twiddling their thumbs, no big deal. Why are they so calm and at peace all the time? Well, because they're Jedi. They got the Force. Right? They're just, you know, I'm not the person you want to eat. I mean, they just use the force. Did you all see Force Awakens? Has it come out yet in Canada? Yeah? Sorry, I'm making Canada jokes. But I love it at that final scene when Ray, she's fighting the bad guy with the lightsaber, you know, and she's doing really good, and he's like, you need a trainer. I could teach you in the ways of the force. And she's like, oh, yeah, the force. She hadn't even been using it yet. <laughs> Go, girl. So she centers herself, you know, taps into that force, and then, just about an earthquake saves the guy, right? Because she had that force. Well, we have something that's not a make-believe force. We have God on our side. We ought to be like Jesus' disciples, Jedi, Jesus' disciples. That's what Jedi stands for. See, when we get stressed out, it's because it is a result of misplaced responsibility. When we get stressed out, it's because we have misplaced responsibility. You know, when I go to McDonald's, I don't worry about whether they're stocked up on straws. I sometimes think they're out of stock because they obviously forget to give you stuff a lot. But my brother, my son asked me today, why do they always forget stuff? Eh, it's run by teenagers, you know. <laughs> but I don't worry about that. When you go to Tim Hortons, do you worry about whether they'll have enough dough for donuts tomorrow? You don't worry about that, all right? When you go to the gas station, do you stress about whether there's gas in the tank that's underneath the ground? Or do you worry about whether your neighbor's changed his oil in his car lately or or does your neighbor back up his computer you don't worry about those things why they're not your responsibility and so you don't worry about them we worry about things that we take on as our responsibility but you know what our life is not our responsibility it's god's 
That's what sovereign means. He is in charge. He's in control. And yet we get stressed out. You know, I love the book of Philippians. It's one of the most encouraging books in the Bible. And let me read to you from the first chapter, starting in verse 3, where Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Why? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, you are going to be able to pull off your ministry in an amazing way if you just work hard enough. Amen. No. Because he's confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So what do we have to worry about? We're in partnership with God. We're not doing this alone. And he's going to finish it. Not maybe by Friday, maybe not by Sunday, but by the time that Jesus returns and this era of life is over, it's going to be completed. So we don't need to stress. He goes on the next verse. He talks about how much he loves him. And then he says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of the praise of God. Now, those are familiar words. You you probably heard them before. But you notice what it doesn't say. You see, his goals are not numbers, not staffing, not success, not for an event to go off great. His events are that our love may abound, that we would grow in knowledge and insight, that we would have discernment about what's right, that we would be pure, and that our life would be producing fruit. See, too often our goals are not God's goals. And then we're getting stressed out, and God's like, I'm not even looking for that. See, there's no mention of those things. Because his prayer is that we would grow as a Christian. And I don't know about you, but I only grow during hard times. Kind of stinks. But when things are going great and I'm seeing success and I'm happy about everything, I stop growing. When things aren't going well, I start praying. I start seeking God. I start reading the Bible. And I start growing. Maybe God's more interested in building me than building my ministry. In growing me than growing my ministry. See, there's a really hard stress. So when we stress, a hard truth. When we stress over ministry, we have taken it away from God and we have made it our own responsibility. There's lots of stress relievers out in the market. Some of them are kind of funny, right? You can buy a little squeeze toy. You can buy all kinds of things to reduce your stress. But the best stress reliever, reliever is a proper view of God. We love the story of David and Goliath, right? Sometimes familiar stories can be dangerous because we're so familiar that they stop impacting us. But the story of David and Goliath is so amazing because when they looked at David and they looked at Goliath, there was no contest. David didn't have a chance. But what did David look at? He didn't compare himself to Goliath or he would have trembled in fear. He compared the giant to his God. And suddenly that giant looked like a wimp. And he boldly declares to him, how dare you speak against and challenge my God? I come at you in the name of God. See, what we've got to do is we've got to redefine our problems by comparing them to our awesome God, not to our inadequate abilities. Isaiah chapter 40, we read a little bit to you. Another familiar passage but I'd like you to hear it in a new way. When you get stressed out, when you get worried, when you're wringing your hands, when you're just wondering why God's 
you know, not doing things the way you think. Isaiah says to you, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is an everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary in his understanding. Nobody can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Why? Because he's awesome. I added that. That's not in the Hebrew. But that's what he's trying to say. Hello? Do you not know? Have you not heard? Our God is awesome. Then he goes on to say, even youths. Have any youths in here? Yeah, we have some youths. I saw some youths. You know, we envy their strength and their stamina and, and how, how long they can do all-nighters and stay up all the time and do all these crazy things. We miss those days. But he says, even youths grow tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. But where did this start? That promise for all that energy and strength and soaring, it comes from first acknowledging who God is, the creator of the ends of the earth, this awesome God. When we get stressed out, we have forgotten just how amazing God is. And God is saying, yo, do you not know? Have you not heard? I am the creator of the ends of the earth. What are you worrying about? Just in the next chapter, Isaiah says, but you, O Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen... I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners I called you, and I said, you are my servant. So God says to us, you are my servant. We tend to treat God as our servant, except I'm on errands. Like, God, okay, I need this, I need some money, I need the new budget. God, can you go get this for me? No, 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 no. We're God's servant. He's the one doing it. And he goes on to say, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. Why? Because I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So when we get dismayed, when we get worried, we're forgetting, hello, we work for God. And he is amazing. So whatever in your life right now the enemy's wanting you to be stressed about or worried about, um, whether it be in your ministry or your personal life, whatever it is, you know what it is. Something's coming to mind just as it is for me. We have to give that back to God, put him back in the right place, and realize compared to God, there is nothing. How many times have you seen it in kids' movies um, where, where uh, the little tiny hero is brave and he stands up and the big enemy coming at him gets fearful and turns around and runs away and the little character is like, wow, and they don't realize what's standing right behind them? You know, we're, we're that little hero. And we finally get the courage to stand up, you know, and to have that boldness. And then we, we see him turn. Well, it's because we got God behind us. He's standing there going, oh, yeah? Mess, mess with my kid. Mess with my woman. So we have to acknowledge and we have to understand and accept a very important fact. And that is that Jesus' yoke is easy. You know what a yoke is? A yoke was put on an animal to steer them and to guide them. And God puts a yoke upon us. But Look at his words in Matthew 11. If you have your Bibles, it's probably worth opening it up. Matthew chapter 11, 28 to 30. I'm giving you all familiar passages. Do you know why they're familiar? Because they're referenced a lot, because they're good. But I love this. I, I used to not like this passage, actually, until I really embraced it. Jesus says, come to me, 
All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take your yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle. I am humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Why? This is the part I didn't like. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I didn't used to like that because I'd read that and I'd kind of get upset inside. No, it's not. Do you have any idea what I've got to do? Um, there's a fun toy box tale. Uh, toy box tales are some videos I make for kids with action figures, just literally just playing with my toys and making them talk. And I did one for grown-ups. And you can find it on YouTube. It's called The Day in the Life of a Children's Pastor. And I created this toy box tale because it's a children's pastor who goes into his office and he's trying to do his devotions and all the interruptions that come in. You know, the chairman of the board that needs the budget, some people who need a video made for a missions presentation, the senior pastor needs something. It's literally just a constant stream. In fact, I think the abbreviated version's on YouTube for six minutes. The original one was like 12 minutes long. At the very end of the video, he's like, that's it. I can't take it. I can't take it anymore. The next person that comes in, I'm just not even going to talk to them. And with his back turned to the door, he doesn't see Jesus come in. Because I got a Jesus action figure with posable arms and gliding action. And Jesus comes in and he says, Pastor Kurt, no, 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 Pastor Kurt, no, 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 Pastor Kurt, I need to talk to you. No, 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 I got too much to do. I got to fix the printer. I got to make this DVD. I got, and he's, he's telling Jesus everything he has to do. And Jesus is saying, no, please. I got, and, he, and he says, leave, just go away. And Jesus says, okay. I'll try back later. Because Jesus is a gentleman, right? He won't carjack your life. He leaves. And so he thinks, ah, oh, I finally stopped. Well, the next character to come in the door in this video, and I'm giving away the end, which I shouldn't do, but it was too long to show you. Mr. T comes in. He's like, you will not believe who I just saw out in the hallway. I paid the food. He's like, what's going on? He's like, I just saw Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, the, the Alpha, Omega, the Almighty God, walking out to the parking lot. And he looked like he is upset, like someone just totally and utterly, completely dissed him. He's like, oh, that's me. He's like, you just turned away Jesus Christ. And he's like, I didn't know it was him. I have to do this. And he's like, and so Mr. T chews him out. I'm getting embarrassed doing my Mr. T because I don't have my Mr. T action figure. Quit your jibba-jabba. You chase Jesus, he says. You chase him. Don't worry about the people. Let God worry about the people. You chase Jesus. And that's how the tale ends. I've had children's pastors email me and say they went from laughing to crying because it was so true to feeling really convicted by a silly video I made with toys. But the point was there. Jesus' yoke is easy. And a lot of the stuff that we are stressed about, he isn't even asking us to do. And sometimes it may be someone else asking us to do it. But it's not God. And learning to say no and learning to accept just Jesus' yoke. Jesus' yoke is comfortable. It's nice. It fits perfectly. It doesn't feel heavy at all. But it guides us and it directs us. And it's awesome. You know, there's an old story about years ago. A bus driver was driving down the busy street. I think it was here in Winnipeg, actually. And he's going down the street. And he looks out the window and he sees this old woman struggling down the road. And she's got a giant box on her shoulders. And it's obviously too heavy for her. And she can barely move. And this bus driver is just filled with compassion. So he pulls the bus over. And he opens the door right ahead of her. And as she walks by, he says, ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. And she looks up and he says, ma'am, let me give you a ride. That burden looks so huge. And she says, oh, no, sir, I, I don't have any money. He's like, well, forget the money. I'll give you a free ride. Just get on the bus. She says, oh, thank you. And she struggles to get on the bus. And he closes the door. 
and he continues on his route. And about a mile later, he happens to look in the mirror. And he sees the woman in the mirror back in the middle of the bus holding this box on her, her shoulder, struggling to stand. So at the next stop, he pulls over, he gets out of his seat, and he comes back. He says, ma'am, what are you doing? Put the box down. She says, oh, no. Oh, no, you were so kind, sir, to give me a ride. I didn't feel it was right to make you carry the box also. She totally missed it. He was giving her a ride. He wanted to carry her burden, but she didn't want to bother him with the box. The box is on the bus, lady. He's already carrying the box. But that's what we do. Jesus says, come, follow me. I will give you living water. You'll never thirst again. My load is easy. We go, okay, God, thanks for the ride. And we're as dumb as that lady. Put the box down. We're carrying way too much. So we need to accept that Jesus' yoke is easy and accept that we are just a steward of the ministry. We're not responsible for it. He is. We're a steward. It's like in the Lord of the Rings where the steward of Gondor had a teeny little chair next to the throne. He ran the whole kingdom, but he was not the king. Well, our throne isn't empty. The return of the king is still coming, but he's on the throne. We're just a steward. We just have a little chair, and our job is to run it. But what does that look like? It's easy to say, right? What it looks like is actually believing and trusting that God cares more about the ministry than you ever could. He cares more about the kids than you ever could. And to show you what this looks like in real life, I'll tell you just one story, and I have many. I shared one earlier today with the pre-con people about how I got my Commander Dave. Great story. Another time, I had an elementary director. Her name was June, and uh, we were starting to work on the fall staffing. It was early in the summer, so we started talking through. We had lost a second-grade boys' teacher, and I said, well, do you have any idea who could do it? And she gave me three names of people, but she said, really, I don't think they're a fit. I don't think they're the right type of person for these second-grade boys. That's a tough age. And so she gave me, for each person, her um, opinion of why she didn't think they were a fit, even though they, they were kind of available and, uh, and I said, okay, I won't approve those names. We need to find someone else. So we kept praying. We kept recruiting. We kept promoting. And it gets all the way to the end of August. We still don't have a second-grade boys teacher. We're kicking off in the fall. The, the fellow who was doing it for the summer was going off to college. And we still didn't have this filled. And so we got to the week before, and June comes. Well, a couple weeks before, June comes to me. I want to ask one of those three people to be the teacher. I said, no. Back in June, I, I, told, I didn't approve those names. No, but we really need it. And so she starts arguing for them. And I'm saying, June, I'm going to listen to your counsel and your God-given wisdom from June when you weren't stressed. And that's all I'm going to listen to. If nothing's changed, then the decisions, no, they, they are not approved for that class. So what are we going to do? And I said, well, all I know is that God loves those boys more than you and I ever could. And God will provide. Well, it gets to be the week before, and we still don't have someone. And I said, you know what, I'll, I'll teach it the first Sunday, because God obviously is trying to do something here. She said, no, you're the pastor. I'll, I'll teach the class on the first Sunday. And I said, as long as you're not doing it with a bad attitude. And I knew she wasn't. She was a godly gal. And so that first Sunday, she taught the second grade boys class. And after church, the senior pastor walks up to me with a young man. And he says, hey, Carl, he's a freshman at Moody Bible Institute. He just started, just moved here from California. And he would love if there's any chance we still have an opening in second grade boys. And Ryan says to me, you know, even if I can just be an assistant, I say, can I introduce you to somebody? I walk over to June. I said, hey, Ryan, would you just share with June what you share with me? And he's like, oh, if there's any chance I could teach second grade 
boys. And, of course, tears well up in her eyes start pouring down her face. And she said to me later, oh, my gosh, Carl, what if I had put one of those other people in that class? And he had become the assistant. And he, he talked about his passion was that age, how he loved that age because he became a Christian when he was that age. And it was just a, a perfect thing. God knew that all along. He knew that back in June, even when June and I did not know that. We have to trust God. And I just want to end by saying, I, I'm not sharing this with you as someone who has this master. I've gotten stressed out. So I had to buy that hat. But it's a reminder that every time we do, we have taken it upon ourselves. And I've had to learn through hardship myself to release it and to let it go and to give it back to God. Final verse I'm going to share with you in Psalm 127. I love this. How many of you guys work hard in Job's ministry? How many of you guys stay up late, sleepless nights, Saturdays, weekends? How many of you are full-time paid? That's just a few of you. How many are part-time paid? Yeah, right. Right? There's no such thing as part-time. Full-time's at least, you know, it's probably fuller time. How many of you are completely volunteer? Let's give them a big round of applause. Awesome. We work hard. And that's good because we love what we do and we love kids. But listen to what David says in Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house or your ministry, the builders labor in vain. If you're building it, it it's for no good. If God's building it, it's going to be awesome. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain, this is where children's ministry comes in. In vain you rise early and stay up late toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. If you're here this weekend at the conference in part because you're weary and you're tired, you're exhausted. I know there's some out there that are like ready to quit. This was your last ditch thing. You said, I'm going to go to this thing and I need a shot in the arm or I'm ready to quit. Don't quit. But if you want rest, it doesn't come from a new resource or a new product or a new idea. Those are all wonderful and it's such a blessing to have these here. And Curse Kidology is loaded with stuff for you, but that's not going to give you rest. What's going to give you rest is you can give the ministry back to God and accept just his yoke and let some other stuff go. My prayer for you is that you become a Jedi of children's ministry. But not powerful with the ways of the force, but powerful with the Holy Spirit. And that peace that passes understanding so that your staff, those who work with you and for you or under you, even your pastors over you, they marvel at your call. When they come to you and say, we're going to, they come to you on Friday, oh, we're going to add a second service starting this Sunday. <gasps> Right? That's how you feel, right? I want you to have this Jedi calm to go, oh, okay. God wants us to do a Saturday night service or a Sunday night service, or he wants me to triple VBS. That's cool. If God wants us to do it, he's got it. You can amaze people that calm. It might even irritate people. June was pretty irritated at me for a couple of months. But if you're trusting God and following God, he will not let you down. He will show himself. He will affirm you. He will encourage you, and he'll do amazing things. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has even entered into the mind of people the things that God has in store for those who love him. Yeah, the very, very end of the message got cut off, but I hope you enjoyed this presentation about our awesome God. This was part one of three general sessions that I did at the awesome Kidman Conference in Winnipeg, Canada. And so the next two podcasts will be the next two messages 
as we talk about our awesome opportunity and awesome community. Well, thanks again for joining me here on Kidman Talk. Hey, if this episode encouraged you in any way or sparked a story or some comment that you'd like to share, please visit the show notes. Just go to KidmanTalk.com or the podcast area on Kidology. Click on number 88. At the bottom of the page, you'll find a link to the Facebook discussion for this podcast. I would love to hear your encouragement, your thoughts, and your feedback. And as always, you can reach me by email at carl at kidmantalk.com or on social media, on Twitter, at Kidologist or at Kidmantalk. Reach out to me on Facebook. I love hearing from you and knowing that this podcast is an encouragement to you. So until next time, this is Carl from Kidology, and I've enjoyed talking Kidman with you.